Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to another episode of the X Factor Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Mondane. want to thank you guys for tapping in with me. Be sure to like, share, subscribe. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok every Wednesday night. Welcome to episode eight. Got a great show for you guys today. Let's talk about some quick news. We got the NBA Summer League has begun, and they're going to start on Friday in Vegas. You got Victor Wimbenyama and Scoot Henderson, the number one, number two overall draft picks, will start their summer league in Vegas on Friday. The NBA is doing something new. They are now doing a fan day or like a fan interaction where they're doing for two days in Vegas as the players come to town and you get the see the players up close, do a lot of fanfare, a lot of NBA kind of meet the new guys type of situation out in Vegas. And that's starting on this Friday, July 11th. Um, so it'll be a three-day fan event is what they're calling it. So if you are in Vegas, you can go ahead and check that out, but you'll get to see the next up-and-coming stars of the NBA starting on Friday in Vegas. Uh, we got the MLB All-Star Game is on Tuesday Next week, it is July 11th. The Home Run Derby is usually on the day before, so Monday the 10th will be the Home Run Derby. And the All-Star Game is on the 11th. Obviously, they have the American League and National League teams already picked. And the Home Run Derby is already picked as well. Uh, The people that will be in the Home Run Derby, Mookie Betts from the Dodgers, it'll be his first time. Pete Alonso seems like he's in the All-Star Game. And the home run derby every year. So Pete Alonzo from the Mets will be in the home run derby. Vlad Guerrero Jr. will be his first time back, I think since before COVID. Excuse me, he was in 2019. So it'll be good to see Vlad Guerrero come back. And it'll be uh, Julio Rodriguez. The all-star game is in Seattle. So obviously hometown player Julio Rodriguez will come and try to win that home run derby. He was a runner-up last year to Juan Soto from the Cincinnati Reds. So it'll be interesting to see. He's my pick to win this year's home run derby. He's doing it in front of the home crowd. I think it'll be him and Vlad Jr. in the final. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Randy Arizuma is going to be in the home run derby as well from the Rays. And Adley Rochman from the Orioles. So, Actually got a lot of players in the home run derby this year. It started out, it was only like six. And he ended up getting a couple of more players to jump on board. So made it out to eight. So they'll have a normal traditional bracket of eight hitters. And we'll see who wins that home run derby. American League, National League All-Star Game is happening the next day. Obviously, I'm an American League fan, so I got to root for the AL every year. I wish they went back to doing the World Series based on the winner of the All-Star Game, the American League and National League. That's who gets home field advantage. I always thought that was cool that Major League Baseball had a twist on their All-Star Game and made it meaningful. I wish the NBA did something like that. The NBA is going back to the East and West conferences, I believe, and I wish they did that where it made the game mean something. So the winner of the All-Star Game, that conference gets home court advantage in the finals. I think that'd be cool. So, but that's what's happening in quick news. 
But the topics we're going to talk about today, you got we're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about who we think is going to have a breakout season. I'll give you five players I think are going to break out this year. Some of them wouldn't be, won't be a surprise to you based on what they did last season. We'll dive in a little deeper into why I think they will have a breakout year. Also, we're going to talk about NBA contracts, the big contracts that we've seen since free agency started last week. We'll get into some of those marquee players and players that have left, players that have stayed where they are, and the type of money that they'll be getting in their next contract. But before we get into all of that, I want to talk about Shohei Otani. Is he the best baseball player we've ever seen? Is he... He's 29 years old. For those of you who don't know who Shohei Otani is, Japanese player for the LA Angels. He's the designated hitter and ace starting pitcher for the Angels. Is he? But let's think about it. When we talk about the best baseball players we've ever seen, obviously what comes to mind is Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire for some of you guys, you know, Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter. The list goes on and on for greats. And even if you're a little older, you know, you're Hank Aaron, you're Willie Mazes. So my question is this. For what he's doing in baseball right now in terms of pitching and his hitting at the highest level in terms of skill, because we know baseball is a skilled sport and it's a specialized sport. Most, most of the athletes that play baseball have a specific skill set. They can hit really well. They play really good defense, so they're shortstops. Or they have good hands, so they're outfielders. They're pitchers. They can, you know, they're power hitters. They're fast, so they can steal bases. Like, there's a lot of different specialties a player can have. I don't know in my life if I've ever seen a player this good on both sides of the ball at this level. So just to give you an example, he probably had the best June or the best month in baseball ever. Shohei Atani, he led the league in on-base percentage, slugging percentage, home runs, RBIs, extra base hits, and total bases last month. And also he batted 394 last month as well. So not only did he do all of those other things where baseball is weighed in terms of statistics, his batting average was almost at 400. And oh, by the way, he had a 3.6 ERA when he pitched. Pitched over 30 innings and struck out 37 people. So not only is he hitting the ball at almost 400, he's striking people out at a high clip in every game. So when I ask the question, is he the best player we've ever seen? My answer is yes. He's the best player I've ever seen play baseball. Yes, I've seen Ken Griffey Jr. play. Amazing outfielder, amazing hitter. I've seen Barry Bonds before the alleged steroids play for the Pittsburgh Pirates when he was young, skinny, had the jerry curl. He won a ton of golden gloves. He was an MVP in the National League before he even went to San Francisco. So growing up, Barry Bonds was it for me and Ken Griffey. It was like, who's better between those two? Obviously a White Sox fan, so I liked 
the big hurt. I like Frank Thomas. You know, I like Robin Ventura, all those guys. But when we talked about the top of the top, you talked about King Griffey in the, in the 90s, early 2000s. You talked about Barry Bonds. But neither one of those players, even what they did for what they did offensively and what they did in the outfield, they couldn't go in the dugout and come out and get on the hill and strike people out too. So that's the thing I'm, I'm trying to conceptualize for, for the audience. What Shohei Otani did last month is, from a, from a DH standpoint, is some of the best baseball we've ever seen. And then he goes out and pitches and does some of the best pitching we've ever seen. All in the same month, during his, I mean, during this season, he is rewriting history, basically. He's playing... He's playing high school baseball in major leagues. I mean, for you, for the audience that played baseball or played sports in high school, if you're a multi-sport athlete, if you're a baseball player, you probably played, you probably pitched, and you probably were the best hitter on your team. You probably played in the outfield. You probably played first base. You switched it up. So that was the thing. It was like, yes, it was, it was common to be done at the high school level. But in Major League Baseball, is is crazy. Like, Babe Ruth did it. But if you ask me, I'm not really – Babe Ruth wasn't really that impressive to me. One, he played against players that were way smaller than him back in the day, and the league wasn't integrated. He didn't play against any black people. Played in the 1920s. No disrespect to those players, but it was a whole it was a whole other league of great players, Bob Gibson and those guys, Shoeless Joe Jackson, that played back in the day – that he didn't play against. So it wasn't integrated until 1947. I'm talking about modern baseball. What Shohei Otani is doing in this league is probably the best baseball I've ever seen in my life. So just to put context on what he's doing, with the on-base percentage in, in the month of June, for, for a month of playing baseball, his on-base percentage was eighth all-time. His slugging percentage was fifth all-time. His... OPS was fifth all time. His total bases was fifth all time. And he still was able to get all his starts in pitch. So I know some people will be like, oh, yeah, well, he's a pitcher. He only pitches once every five days. And, yeah, he's a DH, so he doesn't play. Well, obviously, number one, you have to be a DH if you are a pitcher. If you want to play both sides of the ball in the American League. It's the way it goes. But. There aren't any other pitchers that can bat like him. And there aren't any batters that can pitch like him, which makes him unique. He's in a class of his own. And if he wasn't good at it, they wouldn't allow him to do it. So that's what that's my question to you guys that are watching on TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. You can comment below. Make sure you subscribe. YouTube, every best baseball player you've ever seen. I want to... Hear what the fans have to say. Once the show is over, I always interact with fans. You can go ahead and check me out on Facebook. When I get back on my page, I'm always responding to questions or any comments for sure. So I want this to be the big question for the day. Is Shohei Otani the best baseball player you've ever seen? And to put icing on the cake, he will probably be the first player in Major League Baseball to get a $600 million contract. So be sure to pay attention to that at the end of this season. So we all have seen baseball contracts where the players get 
10 years, 200 million, 300 million. We've seen that ladder climb. I think Shohei Otani will be the first to get $600 million in Major League Baseball. 29 years old. He does everything that you could ask for and more on the field. He's probably going to win the American League MVP this year. He can be the first player to win. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if he's the first player, so I won't get hyperbolic. But an MVP and a Cy Young award. I don't know if that's ever happened. You guys comment and let me know if that's ever happened before where a pitcher has actually gotten a Cy Young and won a league MVP. I can't remember off the top of the head if that's happened. Maybe Roger Clemens has done it. He's got seven Cy Youngs. He might have won an MVP one of those years. But you guys let me know. But I think Shohei Otani can do it, especially if the Angels start winning baseball games. He will get to the $600 million. And it's just an insane number to think of in this day and age, somebody making $600 million to play baseball, but he's worth every penny for what he brings to the table. When we come back, we will get into the NFL. We're going to talk about five players that I think are going to have a breakout season this year, and I'll tell you why I think that. This is the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Don't go nowhere. I'll be right back. Yo, yo, welcome back to the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Told you guys we'll be right back, right back off break. Episode number eight, be sure to like, share, subscribe. We are on Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok every Wednesday. Let's get into the NFL. We're going to talk about players that I believe will have a breakout year. And what I mean by breakout year is like they're in conversation talks for Pro Bowls, MVP discussions, rushing records, receiving records, anything that kind of puts them in that upper echelon at their position because of the volume that they'll get to play. Not only that, but just because I think they'll attribute to their team success. So a jump like, not saying that they're going to be Joe Burrow. They're not going to make that jump that Joe Burrow made after he tore his ACL and came back, went to the Super Bowl, or Jalen Hurts' jump last year from year two to year three. But I feel like these players are on that trajectory where they can make that jump. The first player I'm going to talk about that could that will have a breakout season is Justin Fields. Chicago Bears quarterback. He's going into year three. He's very similar to Jalen Hurts in, in that a lot of his offense in year two was running the ball. He led all quarterbacks in rushing, rushing yards, rushing attempts, rushing touchdowns. Any other statistics you want to talk about for rushing the ball as a as a QB? Justin Fields led the NFL in that last year on a really bad on a really bad Bears team that only won three games. So what I believe they did now is they've put weapons around him. They've put a line around him. 
He's got another year in Matt Eberflus's playbook. I feel like that'll breed more confidence, kind of the same way it did for Jalen Hurts. They put some more offense around him with A.J. Brown. I believe D.J. Moore is going to be that complement for Justin Fields coming into year three. Uh, he has a number one receiver, like I said, in the full understanding of the playbook after a season of after an offseason of reading the playbook and then implementing the playbook in real time. Now he has another offseason to go through that playbook again, recognize what he saw on paper and what he felt in real time, and then make the adjustments. So it's like I said a couple episodes ago when we were talking about rookies. I give rookies three years before I start evaluating and judging their game. They need time to, because we all learn differently, understand. I'm a visual learner. I was always good at basketball learning plays because a coach can draw a play up, but I could run the play like two or three times, and I knew what every one of my teammates needed to do on the court while I was on the court with them. I knew where I needed to go. I knew what one. I knew what my moves made the other players do. I knew how the defense would react to it. I would get it like that, and that's why I say rookies. You give them two, three years to ingratiate themselves in a new league. It's a new game altogether. The NFL is nothing like college football. So whoever thinks that, you need to watch more NFL. It's not the, it's not the same sport. So with Jalen Hurts, I mean, uh, Justin Fields, coming into year three, I believe this will be a breakout year for him passing the ball with his weapons. They have – we have uh, about three – running backs with Khalil Herbert at the front of that line that he can hand the ball off to. And now it'll make him a threat just as a third down spread the field out and Justin Fields can run when he needs to, or, you know, instead of just running out of necessity for the offense to move the chains, I think he'll be better at throwing the ball down the field. So I believe he'll have a breakout here. Now, if the bears are going to have a breakout season as a team, you got to stay tuned and watch some episodes for that. We'll talk about that as we get closer to the season, but as an individual player, I believe Justin Fields will have a breakout year. Second player. I think will have a breakout year is Tony Pollard. He's a running back for the Cowboys. And for obvious reasons with Ezekiel Elliott, moving on from the Cowboys, they have given the reins for lack of a better term to, or lack of a better words for uh, Tony Pollard. So Tony Pollard will be the lead back. The Cowboys, even though it doesn't look like they run the ball much, they always get the running back up to 300 touches a year. So even if you go and look at Zeke's number, his yards per carry dropped every year, but his touches did not. So he got the ball. And now that Tony Pollard won't be sharing time with him, I can see him having a breakout year in terms of touches, in terms of touchdowns, in terms of yards. Like you can believe that Tony Pollard will have a great year. Obviously, all of this is barring injuries if they are healthy for all 17 games. With that being said, the head coach is now calling the plays. So they got rid of their coordinator. He went over to the Chargers. And now that the head coach will be running and calling the plays, I feel like they're going to run a lot more offense for Tony Pollard. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, so he'll get a lot more work in this season. And there, that's the reason I think he'll have a breakout year.
The third player I believe will have a breakout year is Isaiah Pacheco from the Chiefs. Again, another running back, young running back, coming into year two, got a full understanding of the playbook, played in the season, won him a Super Bowl as a young player, and now he'll be the focal point of the rushing attack and was able to learn more of the playbook this offseason. I believe the Chiefs are going to let Clyde Edwards-Alaire go because they have Isaiah Pacheco and they still have Jarek McKinnon as well, but Pacheco may be the lead guy. So as the full-time starter, again, they don't run the ball, the Chiefs, they don't run the ball as much as the Cowboys do, but as the lead back for that team, he will have a breakout year offensively because they can throw the ball to him out the backfield. He can look like a Kareem Hunt. If you paid attention to how he ran the ball last year, he was very tough, a violent runner. What I mean by violent runner, meaning he's not the type of runner that will just juke and try to get out of bounds. Like He goes for the contact. He wants to run through the defense to get more yards. He's tough. He plays hard. I actually like Isaiah Pacheco, and I like the way he runs the ball. I always tell Ms. D all the time, I love how he runs the ball every time he runs it. So I'm excited to see Isaiah Pacheco have a breakout year. And be just pay attention to how he runs the ball. It, it's very similar to what the Chiefs did with Kareem Hunt when he first came to the Chiefs. I feel like he can be that same type of player. I can see him having double-digit touchdowns this year. I can also see him rushing for 1,000 yards this year. He could be a 1,000-yard rusher, 10 touchdowns. Not saying he'll rush for 10, but he can get some receiving out of the backfield. The Chiefs love to run red zone trick plays. I can see Mahomes breaking out of the huddle and backing up and doing the little toss where, you know, the, the receivers run across the line. I can see that happening with Pacheco this year, so. Be sure to check them out. I think he'll have a breakout year. Kyle Pitts of the Atlanta Falcons, the tight end. I believe he'll have a breakout year. So it sounds weird saying he's going to have a breakout year because he had a really good rookie year. Had over 1,000 yards receiving at the tight end spot. But the reason I say he'll bounce back is because last year he was plagued with injuries. Didn't get a lot of reps. You know, they didn't throw the ball very well. The, the Falcons were not a good team at all. Uh, he only had one touchdown last year. So, by definition, I think he'll break out and have a similar season like he had his rookie year. Again, with Desmond Ritter, the quarterback, if they allow him to start and play all the games, I think having a young quarterback with a tight end that relationship always builds because you have to have that safety net. Somebody you know you can always throw to when you're in trouble. Somebody you can rely on to block for you at the line. So a young quarterback with a young wide receiver or young tight end, that relationship can grow. So I, get, I feel like that will be good for Kyle Pitts. We're building that relationship and he has something to prove. Like I said, he was hurt last year. And he had a great rookie season, so he, he wants to build off of that. I'm sure he feels like he can be one of the best tight ends in football, definitely in that conference or in that division. So I look to see Kyle Pitts have a breakout year at the tight end position. Then the last person I believe will have a breakout year is DJ Moore, wide receiver for the Bears. So I, ended, I started this segment talking about Justin Fields having a breakout year, and D.J. Moore being the reason that 
will help him have that breakout year. I believe the same goes for DJ Moore. There was a lot of quarterback controversy in Carolina last year. They were changing quarterbacks left and right. You know, coaches were getting fired. Like, it just wasn't stable. He's still a young player. And without that stability, you don't know between which week who's throwing you the ball. I think coming to the Bears, there's stability there. We know who the quarterback is. We know who the coach is. He knows he's the number one guy coming into the locker room. And I think that he will build that rapport with Justin Fields right away. It'll give him confidence throwing the ball. And DJ Moore will have confidence knowing that a team actually wants him and wants him to produce right away. So I would not be surprised if DJ Moore has a breakout year for the Bears along with Justin Fields. That tandem could come together like a Jalen Hurts and an A.J. Brown. You know, A.J. Brown coming out of Tennessee, went to the Eagles, and then, you know, it elevated Jalen Hurts' game. Even though he had Devontae Smith, a true number one came in in A.J. Brown and kind of elevated that offense. So look to see some similar success in in that regard where we are, where the Bears already have Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, but with D.J. Moore as a true number one, you won't see as many double teams with, with Mooney on the other side of him. He'll have opportunities to go get balls in the end zone. So I believe he'll have a breakout year as well. Chance to do what Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown have been doing. It'll be special, especially in that division that is up for grabs. I think it'll be fun to watch. So check those players out to have a breakout season. Justin Fields, Kyle Pitts, Tony Pollard, Isaiah Pacheco, and D.J. Moore. I believe those will be the guys that we can look to this year that should break out. We will get into fantasy football, of course, when the season starts. We'll have some bet that segments. We'll have some special fantasy football segments where we'll talk all about players and what players you should pick in your draft, how you should draft your players, where it's a PPR league or traditional league. So for all my football fans out there, Please stay tuned. We will have a lot of fun with football this season. I can't wait to get into it even more. When we come back, we're going to get into the NBA. We're going to talk about some of these NBA contracts, some premier top-tier players getting max deals. We're going to talk about if those deals were deserved, if they are on the right teams, are they a good fit, what will happen in the future. This is the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Be right back. Welcome back to the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Thank you guys all for tuning in live on Facebook and YouTube and TikTok, of course. Let's get into some NBA. So we had free agency open up last week on June 30th, and it'll be going on all summer. So let's talk about some marquee players who have gotten extensions, big contracts, 
max deals. Let's go ahead and talk about them. All right. So number one, Fred Van Vliet finally got the bag. Fred Van Vliet got three years, 130 million to go to Houston. So he is no longer a Toronto Raptor. So let's dive into that a little bit. Fred Van Vliet already has a championship ring. And now he's at the point in his career. He was an undrafted player. He worked his way up from Wichita State, made it to the NBA, got on a good team, played for a good coach in Nick Nurse, won him an NBA title as a starting point guard. Now it's time to go make your money that you need, that you deserve, you earned it. Three years, $130 million to go to Houston. I'm happy for him. That's a lot of money for that kid. I mean, so the Houston Rockets, obviously they have to spend the money. It's a salary cap league. And because they're such a young team, they got a lot of players on rookie deals. So they have a lot of money to spend, a lot of cap space. They haven't had to extend or give any of their rookies the uh, the max, the rookie max extensions yet. I think next season, Jalen Green will be available for that, for that max. But at the time being, the Rockets got the money. They got their starting point guard that can play with those guys. It'll be fun to watch, I'm sure. Young group. He's actually going to be one of the veterans on that team. Be a lot of three-point shooting, a lot of up and down. So I'm excited to see how that'll look in Houston. Kyrie Irving will stay in Texas. Kyrie Irving signed a three-year, $126 million to stay in Dallas. This one was interesting to me. And you guys, like I said, chime in. Let me know what you think about these players getting this money. This one's interesting to me because, and I don't know if Kyrie will even stay. He might have did a James Harden and kind of signed the deal. And then Dallas may be trading him and moving him on to someone else, but they have to take on that contract. But if he does stay, how do we think that's going to work out with Luka and Kyrie Irving playing together? They're both ball-dominant guards. They both play the same position. Kyrie can play off the ball. He's played with a guy similar to Luka Doncic's skill set in LeBron when he was in Cleveland. Luka and LeBron have a lot in common in terms of having to have the ball in their hands and needing shooters around them to space the floor. You don't really see them do much off the ball. I mean, he's a bigger guard, but they need the ball in their hands to make things happen. So Kyrie is accustomed to playing off the ball when he needs to. He's played with stars. He's played with two of the biggest stars of this generation with with KD and LeBron. So I'm interested to see how this will play out, what type of pieces will get put around the Dallas Mavericks, the rest of that team. But three years, $126 million. Mark Cuban shows his commitment to Kyrie. The deal took so long to make because Kyrie wanted years. So usually when it comes with vets, and people are wondering why the contract's taking so long. The money is there. The veterans are looking for years. They, they're not looking for a short-term contract. They want to know that there's going to be some stability and some, some trust in the franchise. So three years isn't that long, but it's longer than one year and a player option in year two. So it's three years. I think he has a player option in the third year. But that shows a player, if you're a franchise signing a player to multiple years, 
you're showing the player that you are interested or invested in them in their longevity with the, with the franchise. So, three years, 126 for Kyrie to stay in Dallas. We'll see how that plays out. I'm sure they are embarrassed, disappointed by how the season ended last year. So maybe they'll come out with a new attitude. A full season, a training camp with Luka could help Kyrie instead of just being dropped in midseason, the last 20, 30 games. So we'll see how that goes with them. LaMelo Ball has gotten one of those rookie max extensions. Congratulations to LaMelo Ball. Five years, $260 million for him to stay in Charlotte. Even though Michael Jordan is selling his ownership stake in the Hornets, his majority ownership stake, he will have the minority stake as well. So with LaMelo Ball signing a five-year, $260 million, shows the commitment that the Hornets have to him. He's the future, and I believe it's a good idea to do it with a player like LaMelo Ball. Again, the size, the athleticism, the ball handling, the playmaking, you can put pieces around a kid like LaMelo Ball, and he can grow. A five-year deal for a kid that's 21 years old, 22 maybe, I think it's good. So now... You keep him until his prime when he's about 26, 27, and see what he gives you. But in the meantime, they have him locked in for the next five years. Now they can start building around him and hopefully get some good things going in Charlotte. So good news for the Ball family. You know, years ago, everybody talked about the father, you know, LeVar Ball with his big baller brand and being brash and in the media with his kids. And Turns out it worked. You know, you don't hear people talking about LeVar Ball anymore and his kids because his kids made it to the NBA. And now one of them is $260 million richer on his own for doing the right thing. So for all you dads out there, hey, your kid, his, his kids aren't in jail. His kids aren't criminals. They haven't hurt anybody. They're just playing basketball. And now his kids got a five-year $260 million deal. Congratulations to them. Congratulations to him and the Ball family. Speaking of family, I grew up watching Arvita Sabonis in the early 2000s, the Portland Trailblazers. His son, DeMontis, just signed a five-year, $217 million deal with Sacramento to keep them together. So congratulations to them as well. Sacramento made big strides this season, made the playoffs for the first time in like 20 years. So it was good to see that. I think him and De'Aaron Fox can can grow and build something with that nucleus they have. Keegan Murray, also, he was a rookie. He's going to come back and have a good year. I'll be sure to watch him in the summer league this year. Keegan Murray should dominate in the summer league, get his confidence back. So they're taking a step in the right direction in Sacramento. They have the coach. They have their franchise point guard. Now they have their franchise big. And let's see what the Sacramento Kings can do in the West. They know that they can make the playoffs in the West and they can compete at a high level. They took Golden State, the defending, the current, or at the time, the defending champs to a game seven, but experience won out. So it'll be nice to see what they can do moving forward with Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox as the key guys for the Sacramento Kings. Tyrese Halliburton, congratulations to Tyrese Halliburton. 
led the league in assists for a long period of time for All-Star break and actually participated in the All-Star Skills Challenge, made a name for himself this past season in Indiana, signed a five-year, $260 million contract as well. Now, Indiana ain't great. I don't think they'll make the playoffs next year, but they feel like they found their point guard of the future with Tyrese Halliburton. And that's one thing as a franchise you want to be able to do. You gotta, you want to find your guy. And that way you know what to build around them based on their skill set. They like the way Tyrese Halliburton plays. He's a, a, a good, heady point guard, young, can shoot the three, makes good decisions with the ball. Now you just want to put some athletic wings around him and Miles Turner and see what the Pacers can do moving forward. Chris Middleton elected to stay in Milwaukee with the three years, $102 million. I believe that was a smart move by Chris Middleton. Because of the knee injury, I don't know how much value he would have had on the market leaving Milwaukee. Milwaukee already knows what they have in him. He came up through the G League with them, second round pick. He's a homegrown player. He has that nucleus with him already. He won a championship with him. So I think it was smart for Chris Middleton to stay. I don't think he would have got three years, $102 million anywhere else. So what is that, like 30, $32 million, $35 million a year? I don't think he would have got that anywhere else if he left Milwaukee. So good that he stayed. There's already predictions floating around that Milwaukee is going to be the team to win the East. I'm not sure I believe that. We'll wait till we get into the season to discuss further. But I think that's a good keep by the Milwaukee Bucks, keeping Chris Middleton along with Giannis, Drew Holiday, keeping that core together. Desmond Bain staying in Memphis. He's the first $200 million signee of the Memphis Grizzlies franchise. Would have never guessed that Desmond Bain would have been the first one to sign that, but he was. All his hard work and getting better year after year after year. Desmond Bain, five years, $207 million to be the two guard for the Memphis Grizzlies. It's good to see that. A good player, good dude, most improved player. Should have probably won most improved. I think John Morant won it that year, and he wanted to give it to Desmond Bain because of how good he played. 20-point-per-game score. I think he shoots just under 40% from three. So a good piece to keep. So now they have a big three there with – Jalen, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Moran, of course, and now Desmond Bain. Looks like that's going to be the big three in the future for those guys in Memphis. And last but not certainly not least, Ant Man Anthony Edwards signs a max deal, rookie max, five year, $260 million, much deserved. But when I see that, it answers a question for me. And I tell guys all the time when I talk to them about these contracts, the, the league and the teams, the franchises will answer the questions for you if you're just patient and pay attention to what they're doing. So we all know last year they got the center from Utah, a Frenchman from Utah came over to Minnesota and they signed him to Five years, two hundred some million dollars. He had a he had a crazy contract, and they basically traded him for a box of cookies and a bunch of trades. 
and a, and a bunch of uh, draft picks. Trade away everybody, basically, to get them. But him playing with Carl Anthony Towns just didn't seem like it fit. And Carl Anthony Towns is a max player that they signed previous to Anthony Edwards. And now Anthony Edwards has five years, $260 million. So you want to know if a franchise is going to answer your questions. I believe the Minnesota Timberwolves are telling us that they may be done with Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns may be on the move. Not saying it'll happen before the season. It can happen before the trade deadline. But I just don't see Carl Anthony Towns staying in Minnesota after what they just done with Anthony Edwards and what they gave guy from Utah. His, his name escapes me at the second uh, right at the moment. But what they paid him to stay there as well. They're not going to let him go because they just signed him a year ago. So it looks like Carl Anthony Towns may be the eye man out. They don't have enough cap space to keep all three of them at $200 million. So it'll be interesting to see what the Timberwolves do with Carl Anthony Towns after adding Anthony Edwards to the mix. So contracts we got. We got Fred Van Vliet, Kyrie Irving, DeMontis Sabonis, Melo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, Desmond Bain, Chris Middleton and Anthony Edwards. Everybody is staying with their team except Van Vliet, and everybody got the bag. Congratulations to those players. Obviously, there'll be more free agency all summer. We'll get into, and we'll talk about it as it comes up in breaking news. When we come back, we'll end the show on a good note and a two-minute warning. Got something special for you guys. This is the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Rudy Gobert is who I was talking about. I don't know how his name escaped me. But yeah, Rudy Gobert with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Carl Anthony Towns, now Anthony Edwards. I don't know how they're going to do that. Minnesota just doesn't seem like the team that would get in the luxury tax for those players. So Carl Anthony Towns might be the last man out or the odd man out with Anthony Edwards getting that deal. Before we go, though, I want to talk about how with these players getting this money and all the hard work they put in for their success and reaping the benefits of their success and enjoying the fruits of their labor and being present. You want to make sure that in life there's enough bad things going on in the world to appreciate the good things that happen in life Enjoy the enjoyable things. And by being present, you want to look back and just appreciate the experience. You don't want to get to a point in your life where you look back and say, oh, man, I did do that. Oh, I did do that. Or I missed that. 
I think it's very important to make sure that you're present in the moment, that you appreciate what you have going on now, enjoy it, and spend time with people that you care about, people that care about you, and take the time to care about each other. I would say that's the main focus right now for me and for everybody. Be sure to make sure you stay present. Stay in the moment. Whatever your focus is, if it's school, if it's work, if it's vacations, relaxing, whatever it may be, just make sure you stay in the moment. Appreciate that. Stay present. All right. From all of us here at the X Factor Sports Podcast, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Shout out to the producer, Ms. D, for holding it down again for another episode. Be sure to like, share, subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. Also, catch the audio on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is Jay Bondane of the X Factor Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys. Peace.